magnify that name tonight. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! My, my, my! Clap your hands and give God a great praise in this house tonight. Everybody grateful for what we feel in this sanctuary tonight. Amen. High five about eight people on the way to your seat. Tell them there's no other name like the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Remain standing if you will. I'm going to hasten to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. I'm going to be going to the book of Revelation tonight chapter number three the book of revelation chapter number three while you're turning there i do want to say what a privilege and an honor it is tonight to have all of our guests that are with us in the house of the lord would you help me one more time make some noise rock church come on help me make a great noise for all of our guests that are here we are so delighted that you're in the house with us tonight to all of those streaming online with us tonight we welcome you uh, to the online experience of the rock church of fort myers amen i feel like that tonight is a chirological moment in time i've been preaching for 25 let's see 20 six years I think it is since I was 15 I'm 45 I'm going to be 45 is that almost 30 years ooh Lord have mercy I'm young but I'm high mileage <laughs> um, almost almost 30 years of preaching and in 30 years of preaching, I have learned uh, that there are just some moments that stand out as God putting his fingerprint upon a particular time and season. This past week, I was at a conference. First Lady and I were attending a conference in which we had several responsibilities um, but we were afforded the opportunity to be in the church services at the conference and Tuesday night the opening night of the conference uh, there was a word that went forth in that house and there was a compelling that brought me to the altar and as I was there praying I felt such a powerful, strong hand of God begin to rest on me as I stood in the altar. A few moments later, I felt the hand, the familiar hand of my wife clutch onto my hand in that altar, and we began to pray together. And as we began to pray together in that altar, there was a powerful divine moment where the word that was preached shifted something in my spirit and I was as I was in that altar it is like God pulled back a curtain in the Holy Ghost 
and I begin to see something in, in the, in the, under the influence of the Spirit, I begin to see something that absolutely grabbed a hold of me. I knew immediately that it was a prophetic moment in which God was confirming things in my spirit that I have been feeling this year. At the moment that altar call was finished, it was like God instantly downloaded something to me that I, I could not wait to get here to share it with you. I mean, I could have walked in this morning, dismissed everything else going on today, including two services, and stepped to this pulpit and delivered to you what I'm going to preach tonight and felt like the will of God was accomplished. And so tonight I want to endeavor to articulate to you what it is I felt like God showed me in the Holy Ghost. I don't have any sermon notes. I don't have anything written down. I just have a word from God in my spirit that I want to endeavor to do my best to communicate tonight. Is there anybody that came expecting something great from God in this house? Did you come ready to respond to the Holy Ghost tonight? <clears throat> Revelation chapter 3 and I want to read Two verses of scripture, verse number seven and verse number eight. These series of verses in Revelation are very unique in that the Lord addresses the angel, the seven churches. And if you study theologically, you will understand that he is addressing, when he addresses the angel of the church, this is a prophetic declaration made to the pastor of that assembly. And so I would like to take the liberty tonight to replace the name Philadelphia, which is the church that the Lord is addressing, with the word Fort Myers tonight. And I would like to read verse 7 and 8. And to the angel of the church in Fort Myers, Florida, write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth. And shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, somebody shout behold. This is a word that emphatically urges the reader to look. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. And no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word. 
and has not denied my name. And for a few moments tonight with the help of God, I want to preach to this church about walking through the open door. Walking through. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands? Oh, I feel the presence of God so powerfully in this house. Come on, would you lift your hands? Would you lift your hands all over? Come on, I sense, I sense heaven touching earth in this place tonight. I sense God's hand of destiny reaching into this sanctuary tonight. Come on, there's something special about this service tonight. There's something special about this moment in time tonight. Would you... Would you stretch yourself in the Holy Ghost tonight? I, I want you to envision your hands reaching beyond the ceiling of this house. I, I want you to envision your hands reaching uh, into the heavenlies tonight uh, and laying hold on something that God wants to impart into this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated tonight in the presence of God. I began to think tonight as I was praying and preparing for this service. I began to think to myself thoughts concerning doors. Doors are something that we encounter so frequently that it is easy for us to lose the impetus of their mention in the Scripture. I want you to help me, Brother Hammond, be the official counter. You can count from your seats. But I begin to think about how many times every single day we touch doors. If I was to try and roughly count, I think of waking up in the morning and rolling out of the bed. And usually my first stop is to the restroom. I can't get no help in here. <laughs> and so, number one, I go through the door. Then at some point early in that process, I will walk into the closet in the bedroom to get my shoes and other pieces of clothing. That's another door. As I begin to get ready for the day, and I I'm not going giving you a detailed play-by-play -play of every moment of the day. Just trying to walk through, no pun intended, the doors that are touched. 
At some point, I exit the bedroom and have to open the door. Usually, either myself or my wife, or many mornings, it's both of us. The next step is to take care of the farm animals. And so in our house, we have to go from the kitchen into the laundry room. That's another door. Then we have to go from the laundry room into the garage. That's another door. From the garage, we walk to the side door of the garage to get outside. That's another door. As I make a left turn out of the side of the garage, I immediately encounter the entrance to the fence for the backyard and have to open the gate. That's another door. Many mornings before we make our way to the very back where the chickens and the goats and every creature lives, we may have to get into the warehouse. And so we open, yes, another door. We make our way to the back of the property. And usually the first order of business is to let the chickens out. And so we open the gate, another door, into the chicken run. Wherein lies the chicken coop. And so then we open the door to the chicken coop. After walking out of the chicken coop in the chicken yard, I walk over to the barn, the goat barn. And in order to enter the barn, we open yet another door. Once inside the goat barn, we prepare the individual portions of food for our four goats, Dolce and Gabbana, Gucci and Versace. <laughs> They're bougie goats. And I let them out from the stable, which requires me to open yet another door. And then we put them into their individual stalls, which means I have to open four more doors. Once I'm finished there, we go back in the house and finish getting ready. We have to take care of the little chickens that are in the brooder up by the back of the house. So we open the back sliding doors to get to them. There's another door. And then we have to feed all the saltwater fish. And all their food and everything is kept in a closet. So we open yet another door. Once we're done feeding, y'all with me tonight? You're, you're, th you're thanking God you don't live at my house with all these chores. Once we get done with all of that and it's time to leave, somebody will usually go out the front door, which means they have to open that door. Somebody will usually leave through the garage, which means we have to open the garage door. And in order to get out of the house, we have a huge gate that we have to open, so we open another door to leave the property. So from the time I wake up, to the time I even leave the house, there have already been 21 doors accessed. Leave the house, drive to the church. Oh, I forgot one. 
Once I got in the garage, I had to open the door to my vehicle. 22 doors. Usually I open the back door because I got to load stuff in. So it's 23. Then when I get to the church and I walk up to the office, I've got to open another door to get in the office. Usually Brother Sloss has already been here opening a couple of the other doors. But when I get to my office, I typically have to finish opening that door. So that's another door. By the time I've done all that, you guessed that it, it's time to use the restroom again. <laughs> Anybody over 40 understands. Hello. And so I have to open yet another door. And somewhere along the course of the morning, I will make my way over to the kitchen for a cup of coffee, which means I have to open the door to the kitchen. And then I have to open the door to the refrigerator to get the creamer for the coffee. And then I have to open the secret door where I keep all of my crazy cup, K-cup coffee, which is another door. And I'll make my coffee and drink my coffee and Invariably, at some point, uh, you get the point this morning, this evening. How many doors is that? 29 doors already, and we just got to the office. My point is that every single day, we engage doors. We walk through doors. The concept of a door is a very powerful concept because doors control access. They control access to things. If I want to move from where I am right now and I want to go to the lobby, the lobby is just on the other side of that wall, Brother Stewart. I'm getting really close to this camera. I don't know how they're going to catch me. I guess another camera will pick me up. I'm literally right now standing less than 10 feet from the lobby. So it would stand to reason that the shortest distance between two points is in a straight line. However, I can't get there. Because there's no doorway. I, I, I can't get there. I, I can try over here. And I can try. It's so close. If I put my ear to the wall, I can even hear it. But I can't get to it without a door. There are so many things in the kingdom of God that as we approach them and we get in close proximity there's something within us that, that realizes we're close to it. We're, we're close to where it is. But the fact of the matter is, until you get to the door, you do not have access to it. 
And that door is extremely important because I could spend all day long walking back and forth and wishing that I was on the other side of that wall. There could be important things on the other side of the wall waiting for me. There can be urgent things that are happening. But if I am ever... Uh, hi, Grandma. I'm moving to the camera. I don't ever get those moments. So I, hi, how you doing? Mama, I love you. If I can't get to the door, then I can't get to the next room. But if I can somehow make my way until I find the place that is a designated exchange, it will grant me access from one place into the other. And when you finally get to where the door is, you now have access to everything that is in the next dimension of where you are trying to go. Doors are important. And when the Bible speaks of doors, it is speaking of access. When the word of the Lord talks about doors, it is not just referring to the everyday meandering back and forth through the house. But there is significance related to the mention of doors. It is important tonight that you understand uh, that the Bible uses terms uh, dealing with the construct uh, of houses uh, in order to convey particular principles uh, to us. One of them uh, is not just doors, but the Bible also speaks uh, of windows. Windows uh, are part of uh, the construct of most buildings. Uh, but there is a distinct difference between windows uh, and between doors. Uh, windows are important, uh, but windows are designed to look through. And doors are designed for access. And windows provide you the privilege uh, by which to see something but a door provides you access to get to what you can see. Oh, and so many times uh, we live for God looking through windows. Uh, in one place the Bible says uh, that we look and we see uh, through a glass darkly. Uh, oh, it's, it's within our nature uh, as we navigate our walk with God uh, that we want to see uh, what's on the next stage. Uh, well, what's at the next level uh, of where we are headed? What's, uh, what's beyond uh, the, the barriers uh, of the dimension that we're in right now? Uh, what lies beyond? And if you can get to a window, uh, you are provided the opportunity uh, in which to see. Uh, you can engage windows uh, and there is something uh, spiritual uh, about the connotation of doors uh, and even windows. Malachi chapter 3, uh, Jesus said, uh, uh, to, to uh, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, uh, if I will not open you uh, the windows uh, of heaven. Uh, this is a powerful term uh, because it allows us to understand uh, that not only are there doors and windows uh, in the earth realm, uh, but there are doors 
and there are windows in the dimension of the spirit. See if I will not open you the windows of heaven. Somebody shout heaven. And pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. There is a powerful connotation here because that which is contained in the heavenlies has access into the earth realm through the opening of a window. That which is held in store in heavenly places is given unto us in earthly dimensions through the access of a window. There are portals into dimensions of the Holy Ghost. There are windows and there are doors by which God has assigned particular blessing to us. That God has assigned particular access points into things in the spirit. Things that we pray about. Things that God shows us. Visions that God gives us. They are laid up in store. You understand uh, that when you truly have a God vision, uh, it is God pulling back the curtain uh, and allowing you to see the thing uh, that he has prepared for you. uh, To see the thing that God uh, has laid up in store for you. uh, But the vision by itself uh, is only a window. uh, It is not access. uh, It is just visibility. uh, It is God saying, come and look. uh, Step up with me uh, into the Holy Ghost and let me show you uh, the thing that I have prepared for you. Uh, But it is another thing altogether uh, when God says uh, I have set uh, before you uh, an open uh, door. My God, I feel like preaching tonight. Notice in the text that it is not us Looking for the door. In this dimension, if we want to get through a door, we have to go find the door. But in Revelation chapter 3, God says, Behold, I have set before you. Not I have set you before, but I have set before you an open door. God said in the midst of you living for me, in the midst of you that has not forsaken my name and you've done what I've asked you to do. Read the rest of that scripture. In the middle of you doing what I've called you to do, I have brought the door to where you are. In God's kingdom, uh, the door appears uh, when it is God's chirological moment uh, for us to step through uh, the door. Uh, When it is God's timing, uh, you won't have to search. uh, You won't have to look. uh, You won't have to run. uh, God said, behold, uh, look up. Uh, That that tells me uh, that you are not in a state or a position uh, of looking for the door uh, because you never have to state the obvious uh, 
The fact that God says, look, uh, behold, uh, tells me that my eyes uh, were fixed on doing what God told me to do. Uh, I wasn't an opportunist. Uh, I'm not looking for a bunch of doors. Uh, I'm not looking for a bunch of opportunities. Uh, I am simply being faithful uh, to what God has called me to do. Uh, and when I am faithful uh, to what God has called me to do, uh, all of the sudden, uh, while I'm doing the will of God, uh, God says, hey, uh, behold, uh, look up. Uh, I uh, have set before you uh, an open door. It's not a closed door. It's an open door. In the preceding verse, he declares, I am he that openeth and no man shutteth. God wants us to understand that when I open the door, nobody can shut the door that I open. I have set before you You can let it fall this way on the door if it needs to, if it will. I've set before you an open door. That's powerful all by itself, that God would bring an open door, and he would find you right where you're at and bring the door right to where brother jones if you ever had that happen before i know you have that's why i'm saying it where you were just saying god i just want to do whatever you want me to do and god said look look up i've got an open door and i'm gonna set it right in front of you but an open door by itself is only indicative of opportunity in order for it to be realized, it has to be actualized. On the other side of a door is possibility. On the other side of the door is next. On the other side of the door is promise. On the other side of the door is miracles and blessing. The thing that you saw through the window now becomes accessible through the door. I'm preaching to somebody in the building that's been looking through the window for a long time. Who am I preaching to? I'm preaching to some people I know because as I was standing in the altar, God began to reveal to me, boy, there are some things that you've been looking at in the window. There's some dreams and visions that I've allowed you to look at through the window. But there has come a season where you are no longer just looking through the window. But I am setting before you an open I saw this church, and in this church, I saw in front of it an open door 
God began to show me. And as I was in that altar praying and the Holy Ghost began to settle on me, I began to see all the saints of this church beginning to walk through that door because God says when I open the door for the church, what that really means is I'm opening a door for the people because the people are the church. And if I'm opening a door for them, my God, somebody ought to shout over this right now. If I'm opening opening a door uh, for the church uh, that means I'm opening the door uh, for the people uh, and I didn't just see one or two people uh, I saw the whole congregation uh, of the rock church uh, lined up uh, walking uh, through uh, the open door uh, God said every promise uh, every miracle uh, every dream uh, every vision uh, oh uh, you've been praying uh, you've been fasting uh, I've given you vision uh, I've giving you clips uh, through the window uh, but what you once saw uh, I am about to provide uh, access uh, in the spirit somebody lift your hands right now I feel something beginning to settle in this sanctuary tonight I need somebody to begin to mix your faith with the prophetic word of God that's falling in this place tonight God said behold to the angel of the rock church in Fort Myers I have set before you an open door I have set before you uh, an open door. Now, something happens at this moment because the revelation of vision is only the first step. Seeing it but now it has to be actualized. And how many of you have ever went window shopping? Anybody here like to window shop? Some people don't like to window shop. But there's a lot of people that like to window shop. What does window shopping mean? Well, in William's third edition translation, Window shopping means that you're in between blessings. Hello, somebody. And it means that I'm going to go to the mall, and all I have money for, yeah, is an orange Julius and one of those Cinnabons. And I'm going to put on my nice clothes. And I'm going to walk through the mall like I could buy anything I want to buy. Hello. Not today. But you stop in front of that Forever 21. I don't even know the name of the stores, y'all. I got to help me. H&M, Dillard's, Macy's, Foot Locker, Finish Line. And you're looking at those new kicks. 
But in your mind, you're envisioning what they look like on you. You're looking at that mannequin. She looked all right, but it looked better on me. You're looking through the window. You can see it, and you can imagine what that would be like. There comes a point in living for God where the vision becomes so strong that when I pray, I can hear it. I can see it. I can smell it. I can taste it. That's me. That's, I could see me doing that. I could see me having a successful business. Blessed by God. I, I, could, I could see. Uh, but what happens is somewhere along the way, God said, I want to invite you uh, from the window. And I want you to step over here. Uh, because now I have set before you uh, an open uh, door. An open door that no man can shut. That means that my open door isn't dependent upon anybody else's decision. My open door isn't dependent on anybody else's mood or their opinion or what they feel. No, when God opens the door, no man can shut. I want to preach to somebody right now. The days of you looking at everybody else and wishing you had an open door is over with. Because God wanted me to remind you that what God has for you is for you. The door has your name on it. The door is specified for your location. Oh, somebody hear me. Don't you worry about everybody else's doors. Don't you worry about somebody else's opportunity and the ones you don't have. When God sets an open door before you, no man can shut it. And there is an element of the divine involved because it's God that sets the door there. It's not the banker. It's not the real estate agent. It's not your job. It's not your education. It's not your talent. It's not your hard work. But it's a God thing. It's a God thing. God said, I'm going to bring a portal of entry. I'm going to set before you an opportunity of access. But in order for you to experience what God has on the other side of the door, you have to be willing to walk through it. It requires action on your part. It requires action. Here's the door. But with the excitement of an open door, 
comes the trepidation of the unknown. Ah, I, I feel a sense of security here. A sense of accomplishment here. But what if I get to the other side of the door and I fail? What if I'm not ready for what's on the other side of this door? That's why you trust that when you're not looking for doors and God opens the doors, it's because God knows that you're ready for what's on the other side of it. When God opens the door in front of you, it's because God has set the season up. got to be willing to step through. Yeah, that means I've got to leave the familiar of where I'm standing now. I can't get there until I'm willing to let go of here. I mean, I can, I can get so far. I can only get so far. I can get a good look, but until I'm willing to let go and trust God, I can't go through the open door. I'm going to tell you what God began to speak to me in just moments of being that altar. The story that I'm telling is about me. It's about this church corporately, but don't make any mistakes. Tonight, God is dealing with us as, in, as individuals. Some of you were here eight years ago when First Lady and I first arrived. When we came, this church had been under the highest level of duress that you could possibly imagine. had lost its pastor, had lost its building, had lost its resources, and frankly had lost most of the people that were part of it. Eight years ago when we came, I've got pictures that I am very fond of. I stepped into a little shack building that was literally falling apart. Cracks on the stucco falling apart. Weeds waist high. It was bright yellow. There's not even a yellow bright enough in this building to represent the bright yellow. <laughs> it makes Sister Charisse's shirt look calm. It was so yellow. And... I don't even know what to call the blue. And it was rat infested. I'm not, I ain't lying. We would be in the middle of church. And all of a sudden I'd see sister go, ah! And I thought, dear God, I'm preaching powerful. And all of a sudden the next sister, whoa, whoa. They stand up and the whole row would be, ah! I thought, my God, it's happening right here. Somebody stretch your hands to row seven. <laughs> what had happened was, is the rat had come out to play during the middle of church. I'm not exaggerating. 
We'd show up for early morning prayer, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. The lights would be dark. And the song, the music would be playing. Wrap me in your arms. Oh, Jesus. And you could hear the rats playing in the back of the church. <laughs> Scurrying around, knocking over stuff in the back. I'm not even joking. We'd get to jumping and shouting. And the whole floor. <laughs> We'd have to go outside and clean all the dead lizards and sweep off around the horse trough and get all the dead bugs out of the horse trough to baptize people. We baptized 150 people our very first year in that building. We got there as an old drum set. <laughs> Sitting in the back, held together half with duct tape. Nobody to play them. There's an old keyboard sitting there. About seven of the keys were broken and didn't even work. A couple speakers sitting on tripods. Didn't even realize one of them wasn't even working. The back of the church had vertical blinds. That looked like somebody had thrown up on them several times and they couldn't clean them. But they were missing four or five of them. And that's where the little mixer was in the back. And when I got there, Brother Bennett was peeking through the little vertical blinds at me while I was preaching. But I'll tell you what else was there. The presence of God <laughs> met us in that place. The power of God rested in that house. There was only about 50 people there on a good Sunday morning. There was about 10 or 12 Sunday school kids. There was no place to have Sunday school. There was no other rooms besides the one room that they were having church in. And so they had Sunday school outdoors behind the building in the little dirt and the weeds. And they rolled out a little piece of carpet to cover up the dirt as much as they could. And those kids would sit out there and the teachers in the middle of the hot Florida sun trying to teach these kids about Jesus. One of my favorite pictures, is this all right tonight? I'm going somewhere. One of my favorite pictures of all time. It's hanging prominently in my office. Till I take my last breath or Jesus comes, I'll always have it hanging somewhere prominent. The very first Sunday we came, there was nobody doing music. So we, first lady jumped on the keys. Isaac jumped on them little drums. I grabbed a microphone and we started singing. We're blessed in the city. Blessed. It didn't look like a blessing. It didn't feel like a blessing. But in the heavenlies, there was a blessing. We just, we just hadn't found the door yet. But we knew there was, one, there was a blessing. And as we started to sing, the kids outside in the Sunday school, they got excited about the music. 
And they told the Sunday, well, sis, who was out there that Sunday morning? Sister Jillian, you were out there that Sunday morning. The kids started saying, can we please go inside? We want to hear the music. And the teachers were trying to keep some level of order. And they said, no, you can't go inside. But if you want, you can put your ear up against the wall and listen. And so all the little kids, little Sabri, and little Jayla, and little Orjavia, and little Nia, I got the picture in my office with her little hat. All the little Sunday school kids were lined up, and they had their ear up against the wall in a little line listening. And somebody, maybe it was Sister Jillian, snapped a picture. A moment in eternity. A moment in eternity. And there was no office with a big black bear mounted in it and bobcats and artifacts from around the world and books and libraries with good smelling candles and comfortable chairs and a beautiful, there was none of that. You know what my first office was? Outdoors, right across the road from that little building, there was another little building that had a little awning off the back of the building. Just open air. And there was a little concrete pad right by where everybody would come and park. And for the first year, that was my little office. Nowhere to sit. Nowhere to lay my Bible. No privacy. The, the saints of God would pull up for church and there I was. How you doing? Hey, pastor, how you doing? What you doing? Oh, just studying and getting ready for church. And I'd walk back and forth. And I'd watch God's people, Brother Leo, walk into that little building. And I'd close my eyes. And I'd look through the window. And I'd say, God, show it to me again. God, I'm going to close my eyes to what's here. And I'm going to look through the window at what you have for us. And as I'd close my eyes, brother and sister Sloss, I could see it. I saw the people. I saw the revival. And I'd get a good picture of that in my mind. And I'd grab a hold of God's word. And I'd tuck my Bible under my arm, Brother Trevor. And I'd march into that little Lions Club building. And when we got done singing, I would preach like I was preaching at no limits. I'd preach like I was preaching at the Summit Conference. I would preach. There'd be 30 people there on a Sunday night. There'd be 50 people there on a Sunday morning. And I'd preach like there were 2,000 people in that place. And I'd preach miracles, uh, signs, uh, and wonders. Uh, and I would preach that God uh, is able to do anything. Uh, and you know what happened? Uh, God began to open the windows of heaven. Uh, and God began to transfer uh, what we saw. Uh, and God began to pour it out uh, into the dimension of the real. Uh, oh, we begin to see person uh, after person baptized uh, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, I remember when we said, all right, uh, we're going to have to set up chairs all the way to the back. Uh, and so we had a bunch of junk back there. Uh, there was 
all kind of Lions Club tables and stuff. Uh, and I said, okay, we're going to have to move that out of the way because uh, we needed room for more chairs. Uh, and we went and we bought ourselves uh, a bunch of old chairs, a uh, bunch of used chairs. Uh, and we stacked them chairs uh, all the way into the back of that building. Uh, and guess what God did? Uh, for every chair we put up, uh, God started bringing people in. Uh, God started bringing them in. Uh, I remember them coming on in. Uh, I remember uh, watching uh, Brother John's Spilaza. Oh, yeah. I'd go there on... I'd go there Monday morning for early morning prayer. Brother Steve would show up. It would be 6 o'clock in the morning. Just a handful of people. And we'd be praying. And in walked this guy that looked like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Look at the pictures. I ain't even kidding. And he would walk in. He didn't even come to church. He had never even been to church. But he was the co-worker of Brother Steve who had been witnessing to him and been trying to teach him a Bible study. And he couldn't get him to church, but he got him to early morning prayer. Was he giving you a ride to work? I don't know what he did, but he got him to come to prayer. And I remember Brother John walking up to the front, and he, well, he's looking around. And we're in there speaking in tongues, pacing the floor. And he walks into that little rat shack. What in the world is this? And I can remember as clear as day him walking all the way up to the front and he'd stand there. He'd just stand there looking around, looking around while we were praying. And then I'd see him kind of lift his hand, looking around. Wonder what was happening. But as he got in that environment, something got a hold of him. And it wasn't long before he came to church. And it wasn't long before he was baptized in Jesus' name. Wasn't long before he was full of the Holy Ghost. And now, just a little while after that, he got he grabbed a hold of his sweetheart and said, Hey, you gotta come check this out. And it wasn't long before here come Christine. And she said, I gotta check this thing out. And she came in and she felt the same thing he felt. And they said, Well, what do we do? We want to live for God and we love each other. I said, there's only one thing to do. Let's get married. Ah, So they got married. And lo and behold, God kept working. God kept anointing. Now they're the youth pastor and the youth pastor's wife. Now they're, come on, somebody. What happened? Doors began to open. Thank you. God began to do the miraculous. Time would fail us tonight to begin to tell all of the stories. I remember the first service, Sister Tabitha came in. She's in the back doing media tonight, I think. I remember when she walked in, and I thought, oh, dear Lord, you don't want to mess with that hombre. She looked feisty. But I remember going up to her after service. I wanted to meet her for the first time, and I said, how you doing? Good. I'm Pastor Williams. You don't look like Tabitha. <laughs> How you doing? Good. I'm a, I said, what's your name? She said, my name's Tabitha. And she didn't know that just a handful of years before that, I lost my little sister named Tabitha. And I said, I think I may have told her that very service. I said, look at God. God just gave me my Tabitha back. You belong here. And there's my Tabitha tonight sitting in the back running media. God's anointed her. She's a preacher of the gospel. She's a director of our women's life ministry. She's a soul winner. What happened? God was opening doors. God started doing things. This all right tonight? 
I'm going to take my time. <coughs> and while things were happening, God was opening doors. Doors that no man can shut. But there was something happening simultaneously while God was opening doors. There was tremendous opposition. Opposition that understood the potential of what was on the other side of the doors. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul clearly articulates this dynamism of the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse number 9, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, there is set before me a great door and effectual is opened unto me. For a great door. Somebody say great door. And effectual door. It's set before me. This is language. This is God speak language. Doors being set before you. This is indicative of the hand of God bringing doors. And what makes this so powerful is if you look up the Greek word for great, it is the word megas. Where we get the word mega from. Meaning very large in size. This is a great big door. A mega. This isn't an average door. This isn't a small door. Big doors lead to big rooms that house big blessing. Big things are on the other side of big doors. He said a large door, a great door, a mega door, and effectual. This is the same Greek word that we find in the book of James chapter 5 where he says the effectual fervent prayer. It is the Greek word energeo, which means where we get the word energetic from. Its root primitive word or definition is power. A mega door full of power is set before me. God was opening mega doors full of power. But that wasn't the only thing present. Are you with me tonight? Paul said that along with the door, there was something else that was with, with the door. And there are many adversaries. Because you can't close the door that God opened. And the word adversary simply means something that is adverse to. Something that works in opposition of a particular direction. In other words, the door is open and we want to go through the door. And the adversary can't close the door. But what he can do is come against you from ever walking through the door that's open. And while God had opened doors in the realm of the spirit, there were adversaries 
that was trying to work against the church. And whenever things are working against the church corporately, it is a reflection of them working against the individuals of the church. And there were demons, there were forces, adversaries that are always present with great doors that were working. You, you want to know what happened? The city began to tell us, you're going to have to close down the church. You can't have church there. But where are we going to go? They didn't care where we went. That's not our problem. But you can't keep having church there. How come? Because we said so. But I got an attorney that, that's got paperwork. I'm, I'm bringing you the, the, the law, the Arlupa law that says you've got to give us the same privilege and access and use of these buildings that you're giving everybody else in this place. Even though you don't have it zoned for a church, you, you, you can't violate your own. And I brought it all and I sat with the city. And first lady, you were in the meeting with me. I don't remember, Brother Sloss, if you were in the meeting or not with me. He was in at least one of them. I had lots of those meetings. And I sat down, Sister Bernice, uh, with the city and I, uh, or some of those officials, whoever they worked for. And, and we sat down and, 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 I, and I talked with them and, and they weren't having it. And they, they, they were getting angry with me. And they, they were telling me, you're going to have to close the doors of that church. We don't care. You, you're going to have to figure it out. And, and on one hand, I'm looking at a church that's already been through so much. And I understand. I, I'm looking through the window and I can see what God's going to do. And I can see the window and the doors are open. But there were great adversaries. But we went to praying. And we went to believing God. And God began to speak. Uh, and God began to move. Uh, woo! Uh, I'm telling you, when God begins to move. Uh, uh, I remember one day, I don't have time to tell the whole story. Uh, I was at a conference, uh, and there was a preacher preaching a message. Uh, and in his message, he told a story uh, about how God opened a door for their building uh, through Craigslist. Uh, and, 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 and I was there, and I shouted with him. And, and, and I got back, uh, uh, you know, when you're at conferences, you're, you're in cloud nine. And, and Brother Stewart, everything's, whoa! And you're full of faith. Uh, you're surrounded by prayer, uh, prayer, people full of prayer and faith. And you believe God. But, but then you got to get on the airplane. Uh, and you got to come back home. Uh, and I had to come back to the city trying to close everything down. Uh, and what are we going to do? Uh, and Brother Leal, I was <coughs> sitting in my living room one afternoon, uh, and I was saying, God, uh, if you don't do something, uh, we're, 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 we're going to be out on the street. Uh, what am I going to do? What am I going to tell these people? Where are we going to go? Uh, and, and it's like God pulled back a word, and, and all I heard was one word from God. Craigslist. I'm telling the truth. And I thought, hmm. Now, mind you. I've spent every waking moment of my life, 12, 14, I'm not exaggerating, 12, 14 hours a day with one agenda. Eat, sleep, preach, and look for buildings. That's all I did. I could, that's how I learned where, where everything was in Fort Myers. Because I drove down, I knew where every empty building was within a 15-mile radius of downtown. I could tell you who the owners were, how many square foot, how much per month they wanted, what kind of zoning it had. I mean, I could tell you what color it was. The I knew everything. When I tell you there were no places to rent for church, there was no place. I had been on every, res every real estate listing. I had talked to every commercial real estate agent I could get my hands on. I, I mean, I, I had done it all. I had been in the wanted ads. I mean, I had done everything I could do besides stand on a corner with a big sign that said, Help! Craigslist. 
I got on my computer, pulled up Fort Myers Craigslist, and I searched church building. Enter. And a picture popped up. Bloop. And it said posted five minutes ago. Church building for rent. I said, what? That, that building's never been available. I called the number right then and there. I said, yes, I just saw the post about the building. She said, whoa. I literally just posted that five minutes ago. I said, I know. I'm calling before anybody else does. I said, I want the building. I hadn't even seen it. I hadn't done that. She said, whoa, 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 whoa. She said, I... Uh, who are you, first of all? <laughs> so I go into my spill. Bless God, I'm the pastor of the Rock Church of Fort Myers. If you didn't know, now you know. With all the confidence I could muster, I said, I'm, I, I, we, 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 want, we want that building. She said, well, let me look at my calendar. Maybe I can meet you in a few days. I said, oh, no, that ain't going to work. <laughs> you don't understand. I said, is there any way? You can meet me there right now. I'm telling the truth. She kind of chuckled. She said, you're serious, aren't you? I said, as a heart attack. She said, well, I. She said, you know what? There's tenants in there right now that are leaving in, in a few weeks. I, I'd have to check with them. I, I don't know if I could even get a hold of them. Let me give them a call and see. Maybe if, you know, if they're there. And so she made a phone call and called me back. She said, yeah, they said it's no problem. I said, I'll be down there in 10 minutes. I called up Brother Sloss. He went with me. He met me at the building. We walked in. And all I knew is there was parking spots. And there wasn't rats. And there was a lot more space than what we had. And it was already zoned. It was already a church building. And oh, my God. But I couldn't, you know, get too excited. I had to negotiate. So I walked through. Hmm. Mm, I don't know. Uh, inside I was saying, yes, yes, yes. We took a walk through. And I said, well, I, did I tell him right then and there, Brother Sloss? Did I tell him on the spot? I don't remember. I don't want to lie. I think I did. I think I couldn't contain it anymore. And I said, we'll take it right now. Well, it's so-and-so. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it is. I'll take it right now. I, I think I even had a check with me because <laughs> I wasn't playing. And I signed paperwork. And so the door, we walked through it. Despite anything hell had to say, we walked through it. And I felt the grip of the enemy. Come on, try to hold me, brother. Try to stop me. I felt the grip of the enemy slip as I got through the door. I felt the grip and we walked through the door and what happened the moment we stepped through the door there were miracles on the other side and the church began to explode in revival the church began to explode in growth more people baptized more miracles more people full of the Holy Ghost it wasn't three months and we were already starting to run out of space it was nine months and the building was full we stepped through the door. We defied the efforts of the enemy. And God began to work. And it wasn't long 
before. You see, we, we were smart. We kept the other location. And we had Sunday school. And you know what we did? If they're watching, I'm sorry. We ain't there no more. I didn't even ask for permission. But so that we wouldn't set nobody off, we wouldn't let anybody park there. All the kids met on Fowler Street, and we loaded up the bus, and we drove it to the Lions Club, and we dumped all the kids inside and shut the door, and we drove off. No cars. Looked like nobody was there, but there was 100 kids inside that building having Sunday school. And while they were filling up the old building, uh, we were filling up the new building. And it wasn't long before we ran out of parking spaces, uh, ran out of chairs, uh, ran out of places to sit. And here we are again. What are we going to do, God? Now the ushers are telling me, Pastor, we can't do nothing. Sunday mornings, it's 20 minutes before church starts and there's nowhere to park. People are pulling in and pulling out. We can't get no more guests in here. It was so hot. Uh, we, we were doing everything we could. We mounted commercial fans all the way across the wall, oscillating fans. Y'all remember that? I'd be trying to preach, and the whole time I preached, all you heard was. Thank God. He got another miracle. I was watching them old men with comb-overs every, every 30 seconds. One sister got to shouting around the aisles, shouted so much, her wig came off and the wind caught it. Y'all remember. She didn't even know what to do, so she picked up her wig and started waving it around, shouting, running the aisles. You better preach, Pastor. It was Turned Up Tuesday. Y'all remember Turned Up Tuesday? See, y'all don't even know. Y'all, this is old school lingo at the Rock Church. Turned Up Tuesday. Nowhere to have, nowhere. We couldn't put no more people, no more kids. I thought, my God, where are we going to put the kids? We're, we're out of space. So then the salon went out of business right next door. So I went over and said, I want to rent that too. You want to rent a salon? I said, don't worry about it. Don't ask me no questions, and I won't have to answer you with no kind of thing. Just don't ask me any questions. Just give me the keys. So we put all the salon equipment out. We clear. What do we do? We open up more Sunday school space. And, and we were trying to have revival, but, you know, we're, we're, we're making dollars stretch here. Because I'm visionary. I mean, I'm, t I'm, you know, we got world vision with Lion Club money. <laughs> We're trying to have revival, but hotels are expensive to put evangelists in. And so we took the back of that salon where they had their lunchroom, put two-sided lock on the door. We threw a bed in there, a dining room table, and the back of that salon became an evangelist quarters. We sure did. And we kept on having no excuses. We're going to have revival one way or another. Because one of the seven laws of victory is you got to be creative.
Sometimes when the enemy comes, you just pick up a jawbone of a donkey if you got to and start using whatever you got around you uh, to make it happen. Uh, come on, somebody. And we kept on having revival. They said, we ain't got nowhere to put anybody. It's hot. Ooh, it's hot. When we wanted to have church, I mean, when it was time for altar call, we had to stand up and stack all the chairs up against the walls just so we had some place to pray. Wall to wall, what's going to happen? I don't know, but God, I'm looking through the window. What's next? Where's the next room at, God? What's next? Where are we going, God? And I could see it. I could see it happening. And I don't have time to tell the whole story. I keep saying that, and I keep telling the whole story. And I said, God, what are we doing? God, what are we going to do? And I remember, I don't have time to tell the whole story. Okay, I'll tell it. I don't preach this long often. God's about to do something incredible in this house, I'm telling you. Y'all like, want to hear the story? And so I'm laying in my, we were living in an apartment. One morning I woke up. I'm going to leave some of this out because we don't have time for all of it. But one morning I woke up, and when my eyes popped open, literally, I knew this building was here, but it was on the market for sale for $7 million. I was trying to remodel the back of a salon to save $100 a night for a hotel. Hello. And I knew the building was here, and I always wondered, I wonder what a $7 million building looks like inside. I wonder what, it, what, what kind of church could you get for, for $7 million? Window shopping. I had drove by the building, but I knew I, I, I ain't got that kind of money. But I drove by window shopping. And one morning I woke up, and the first thing that came to my mind, it was like God spoke to me and said, get up, put a suit on. I want you to go down to that building right now and go meet the pastor of that church. And I thought it was just, you know, one of those late night pizza moments. So I kind of shook it off. You know how it is. You wake up, and I'm, I'm just trying not to fall over when I first get out in the morning. I don't know about you all, but I don't get out of the bed. Hello! I mean, I kind of grumble a little bit, and I have to make sure I don't stub my toe. And I'm trying to wake up, and I just keep over and over again. Get dressed now. Go, go. Like, come on. It's almost like God was saying, come on. Go. Hurry. Hurry. No. Come on. No. And so I'm brushing my teeth. Finally, I'm like, all right, God, all right, all right, all right. I said, honey, I told her. She remembered. I said, honey, this sounds crazy. But I feel like God just told me to get up, get a suit on, drive down to that building over there, and go meet the pastor. Now, I had called the number several times just to be nosy because I wanted to come in here and act like I, you know, was interested because I wanted to come inside and see the place. But I had called the number several times, left messages. Nobody ever called back. I had even stopped by here before, knocked on every door around the campus. And nobody answered the door. Nobody was here. That was, that was weeks and weeks, maybe even a couple months before this happened. And so I got up and I got dressed and I said, all right, here we go. And I jumped in my car and I pulled up outside of the building and I said, now what, God? I mean, where do I even start? I don't think there's anybody here. So I just picked a spot, and I said, well, I'm going to start right here, and I'm going to start knocking on doors. 
and I pulled up right outside the hallway in the little half circle drive and I got down and I walked over to the white door, not the clear door, but the white door facing the little circle drive. And as I walked up, I'm telling you, this is exactly how it happened. As I walked up to the door and reached for it, the door opened. I never touched the doorknob. And the door opened. And a young lady named Ginger Marte, you guys know who she is. She opens the door and she was startled. She didn't expect somebody to be on the other side of the door because I was reaching for the door when she opened it. And she was startled and she said, oh, she said, can I help you? How do I explain that God just woke me up and told me to get a suit on and come down here to, you don't just tell people that kind of stuff. So I had to think really quick on the fly. So I went back to my real estate mogul mode. Straightened up my tie. Said, my name is Pastor Williams. I pastor a powerful, thriving, revival church in this city. And it just so happens that we're looking for a new building. I don't know if this one's big enough. <laughs> I left that part out. <laughs> but that's how I was acting. Uh, this is the only way I could think of to gain access to, I don't know. I was just making it up as I went. I said, I just thought I'd stop by to see if there was any chance I might be able to take a peek around inside. I may write a check before I leave. I didn't say that part either. But that's exactly how I carried myself. And when I said that, she literally went like this. I thought, what in the world just happened? I stayed looking at her. She stayed looking at me. I swallowed real hard. Oh, this is awkward. She said, you are kidding me. I said, uh, nope. She said, you're not going to believe this. She said, just this morning, we had a staff meeting with our pastor. And he asked us to come into the sanctuary for a special prayer meeting. And he asked us specifically if we would pray that God would send somebody to the front doors of this church that would take this building. And here you are standing in front of me right now. I'm talking about walking through the open doors. I didn't want to seem too taken aback. I said, oh. She said, now listen to this. She said, and you know what? Your timing is perfect. She said, our pastor doesn't even live here. He lives over in Fort Lauderdale. But it just so happens that he's here right now. Would you like to meet him? God said, hurry up, get up, get dressed, get over there right now. I got up, I said, all right. She walked me down this hallway right here. I remember it like it was yesterday. Walked me into what we now call the white room. And inside of the white room, there was a 
conference table. It was the, it's the one that we have now that belongs to us that's sitting over in our conference room. That table was sitting over in the white room. And there was a bunch of people gathered around it. One of them was the pastor. She interrupted the meeting and brought him over and introduced me. And she said, you remember what you told us to pray this morning? Yes, I do. She said, well, this man just came and knocked on the door, said he's here because he's interested in the building. That's not why I came. I came just because God said, get up. I mean, I, I'm window shopping, folks. I, that's like telling the salesperson, go ahead and pack that up for me over there, and you ain't got the money to pay for it. <laughs> and he said, oh, well, I'm in a meeting right now. He said, why don't you have somebody show him around the, the property, and as soon as I'm done with the meeting, I'll meet with him. So a gentleman by the name of Ricky James, some of y'all remember Ricky James. Ricky James had a keychain this big with 867 keys that went to this campus. He had no idea which keys went to what. But here we go. We started walking around the campus. This was my first time to ever come through. And within 10 minutes, I was lost. This place is so big. I was coming out of the Lions Club, y'all. I mean, I could look from, I could stand at the pulpit and lay hands on the people in the back row. I mean... Here we are walking through this building and balconies and this room and that room. And I didn't even know what room I, I didn't even know what building we were in pretty soon. We're on the second floor of building A, B, C, Q, F, G, N, M, L, O, P. And this room and that and this place and this space. And pretty soon the phone rang and it was a pastor. And they, he said, oh, they're ready for you. I said, thank God. Just leave me out of here. I don't even know how to get out of here. And we went and sat down and I began to tell our story to the pastor. And at the conclusion of the story, I said, now, we're just, you know, we're a, we're, we're a smaller church. You know, we've got at this, at this time we had about 200 people. And uh, I said, we're, we're you know, we're, we're looking for something. And I said, hey, one of these days, you know, the window shopping lingo. One of these days, something like this would be amazing, you know, to have this much room. And he just nodded at me. He says, yeah, I could see that this place probably too much for you all and too big and, you know, probably out of your price range and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. He said, well, he said, I, uh, man, let's stay in touch. He said, let's, you know, I'm going to be praying with you. God knows. God's got the perfect place for you. And, oh, yeah, yeah, he does. And, you know, just that easy speak. And I got up to go, and he said, no, 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 I want to pray with you before you leave. I said, okay. So, you know, we, stand, we stood up. And thank God we weren't in the sanctuary because he would have made me stand beneath the glory spout. <laughs> Some of you all don't know about the glory spout. <laughs> Let me stop and tell you a side story, all right? <laughs> In the process of us coming over here, I sent Brother Sloss over here one day to do something, to run an errand. And when he showed up, they were in a prayer meeting here in the sanctuary, and they invited him in. They said, we want you to come. We're going to pray over you and the congregation. He said, okay. He just came over here to run an errand. But they led him into, I think they had music playing in the sanctuary, and the, the lights were very, very dark. I mean, uh, the church. It was, it was dark, and they led him, and they were, I mean, you just got to know, these, these people. They led him to the middle of the circle and surrounded him. I'm telling you the truth. And then they looked up. Do you remember where it was? It was like right about here. It was right about here. 
And they, they looked up and they were, they were come here, they, they were getting him by the shoulders going like this. And he kept looking up like, what do you see? And one of them leaned over and said, there's a portal to heaven that's right there. It's, it's, it's right here. There's a portal to heaven right there. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And so they, anyway, thank you. Side story. So he prayed for me, not under the portal of heaven. It was in his office. And we exchanged numbers, and he said, is this all right tonight? He said, let's stay in touch. I said, okay, let's stay in touch. And that was the last I ever heard from him again. Never heard from him again. And months later, we're in revival with evangelist John Willis. Y'all remember that? As a matter of fact, this is just story time tonight. This is story time slash word from heaven. And Brother Willis was doing one of his preaching, working revivals. And while he was preaching, we had one of the rooms taped off. One of the, we took over one of the Sunday school rooms, and he was building this pulpit. He was building this pulpit for me, a custom-made pulpit. Some of y'all don't even know, right inside of this compartment, there's a Bible fastened in there permanently. Because I always wanted to remember, every time I'm behind this desk, that everything coming across this desk is rooted and grounded in the Word of God. If you were to take this open right now, there's a Bible inside of there. And, and one evening, we were downtown. I had taken Brother Willis to get something to eat. And after we got done eating, we were driving around downtown. And I didn't realize it then, but I know it now. I was driving right by 2nd Street and the W Street, the original Woodford, which is the original location that this church was started at. Driving almost at that intersection. And I was just having chit-chat with Brother Willis. And while I was driving, some of y'all never heard me tell this story. While I was driving, it was literally as if God leaned over in my seat and put his hand on my shoulder and whispered, I'm working the miracle for the building right now. It was so powerful. Brother Willis will test, tell you the story. He was sitting in the car with me. Now, he didn't hear the voice. I heard the voice. But it was so powerful that I literally slammed my brakes. And I had to pull off on the side of the road. And I slumped over the wheel. And I began sobbing. Because the presence of God came into that vehicle so strong I couldn't even operate the vehicle. Now, Brother Willis didn't realize all this was happening. All he knew is I went from talking to him to slamming my brakes, lean over the wheel, and I started sobbing. He probably thought I was having a mental breakdown. Or I was getting ready to confess to a murder, one of the two. And he was kind of sitting there like, what just happened? And when I finally gained my composure, I said, Brother... Willis, I said, God just spoke to me and said he's working a miracle right now for us, for a building. And he said, my God, well, let's pray. And we prayed. We sat there for five, ten minutes praying. That weekend he left. We had back-to-back revival scheduled. That next week, the Godfather was coming. Evangelist Franco Platinia. 
These guys were part of the story. They can tell you the story. And so we're in revival the following week. I haven't heard from the pastor of this church in months. I quit looking at buildings because I just got tired of it. There was no buildings open. I just kind of said, well, God, you know what happened? God was showing me, quit looking for the door. When it's time, I'm going to set it before you. I had quit looking. The real estate guy we had been working for hadn't heard from me in months. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, I'm at the office over on Fowler Street. The first little office when Brother Sloss came to work for the church full time. We had a little office. It was our first little starting point. We had dreams. We saw the window. We had a little bookstore set up in there. A little, You can go in there and get little mints and hankies. And right on the other side was Brother Sloss' desk. I mean, he could sit at his desk and help you at the counter. I mean, it was... And you went around the little corner, and there was my little office and first lady's little, we had a little tiny conference room. And, and uh, I was walking, and all of a sudden, my phone rang, and it was the real estate guy. And I picked up the phone, and he said, hey, Reverend, I haven't heard from you in months. I just called to check. Have you seen any buildings? You interested? No, I ain't seen no buildings. I ain't. He said, oh, okay, well. He said, hey, we ought to get together and just connect. He said, man, I... I know you haven't seen any buildings, but maybe we could just revisit. Maybe I could dig up some information and we can meet. And I said, sure, we could do that. Let's catch up. He said, well, what does Thursday look like for you? I, I said, well, hold on. I put him on speakerphone. I opened up my calendar. I said, Thursday, Thursday. Oh, Thursday looks good. Well, let's meet at like 2 o'clock for, for coffee. Okay, it sounds good. I, let me put it in. And I'm, as I'm on the phone, I'm putting it in my calendar. 2 o'clock, Thursday. Okay, sounds good. All right, see you Thursday. All right, man, have a great one. Good luck. Bonk. I grabbed my phone, and before I could get my phone back in my pocket, my text message went off. And I picked my phone back up, and it was the pastor of the church that was here. I had never heard from him since the day I had met him. And there was a text message that said, hey, pastor, are you still looking for a building? I said, yes, I am. He responded and said, can you call me real quick? I dialed the number, went to voicemail. <laughs> I hung up the phone. <laughs> yeah, I ain't even going to go there, okay? That's <laughs> not even. Anyway, moments later, another text come through. He said, I'm actually busy right now. Can you just meet me this week? I said, sure. He said, how about Thursday at 2 o'clock? Y'all catch that? I just set an appointment with the real estate agent for Thursday at 2 o'clock. And he said, how about Thursday at 2 o'clock? Now, now he's got my attention. I said, sure. He said, okay, just come to the same door you came to last time. I'll see you Thursday at 2. I sent a text message to the real estate agent. I said, hey, instead of meeting me at 2 o'clock at the coffee shop, why don't you meet me here at the office? We're going to go take a trip to a building. I didn't, there was no way for me to explain everything I just told you all to this guy. I just said, there's a building we're going to go see. Meet me at 2 o'clock. So Thursday rolls around. I told Brother Platania, hey, why don't you come with us? He said, what are we doing? I said, I have no idea. No idea. I've already learned. Just trust God. I don't know what I'm doing. So we get in the car. We pull up. Brother Sloss, you were with me. It was me, Brother Sloss, Brother Platini. We pull up in the circle drive, walk in the same door, walk down the same hall, walk into the same white room. It's the same table. But this time we walk in, the pastor's sitting there with some other gentlemen around the table. 
we walk in and he begins to introduce us. He said, uh, this is Pastor Williams and this is Pastor Sloss and this is an evangelist. And he said, this is uh, so-and-so, this is my real estate agent. And this is so-and-so, this is one of our attorneys. And this is so-and-so, one of the board members of the church. All of his decision makers were at the table. And I thought, wow, what, what are we here for? He said, have a seat. We can sit down and he takes the floor. And I'm paraphrasing some of this. Tell me if I get this wrong, but it's lost. He basically says, Pastor Williams, the reason I called this meeting today, he said, from the very first time that I met you, I have not been able to get your church out of my mind. He said, you know, we've had, oh, yes. <laughs> he said, you know, we've had this church up for sale and we just hadn't found anybody. And he said, he said, the other day, as a matter of fact, he said it was like last week, I was sitting here in my office, and I was praying and saying, God, what do I do about this building? He said, and it's like God spoke to me and said, this building belongs to the Rock Church. The same time God's talking to me, and I pull my car over, and God tells me he's working a miracle out. God is speaking to this man and said, that building belongs to the Rock Church. Now that's like sitting, Brother Jones, at the Lamborghini dealership and them saying, this belongs to you. And you're saying, uh, how? <laughs> What's the catch? And he already knew where we were going. He said, now I understand that you probably have a concern about how in the world would you buy this place. He said, of course, that's the question I asked God. I said, well, God, they, they can't buy this place. How is this going to happen? And he said, it's like God just gave me a strategy and said, if you do this, this, and this, I think I can work it all out. God didn't say the I think I can. It was him translating what God said. He said, so... I took my idea and I ran it by a real estate agent. I ran it by uh, this person and our attorney and this person. They all agreed, said it sounded like a good idea to them. And so I wanted to propose this idea to you. And I was sitting there like, whoa. And I said, well, I would need to see the numbers. <laughs> like I, I'm still in my mind like there's no way. There's no way, I mean, any of this will work. Long story short, he gave me the information. This is what it was going to take per month. We were worked out an, an opportunity where we could possibly move in and lease the building with the opportunity to work on buying it. We have nowhere to have church. We can't expand any, any further. People are we're missing opportunities. So I went home and I crunched the numbers. I sat with First Lady. She remembers. And I said, okay. I want you to add up every penny that this church brings in every month. Okay, add up. Give me the three-month average. Give me the giving per unit. Give me year over year, month over month. What's the trajectory? What percent of increase year over year? What's our growth rate? Blah, 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 blah. Give me the numbers, 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 numbers. Here it is. That ain't going to work. I mean, we're like miles. I said, man, I don't see how. First lady gave me that look that I already know. <laughs> she said, yeah. 
seemed like God was in this thing. It seemed like God had an open door. I was in an internal struggle. I was trying to figure out every way possible. Well, we can move out of where we live. We could take that money and put it towards the rent. We could, we could live in Ricky James' apartment. Oh, Jesus. That place is like a double tree compared to what it was then. We were trying to figure it out. It just, we were miles apart. And I remember I was going to preach in Canada. Y'all still with me? I'm getting to the end of the story. And I was going to preach in Canada. And I had a deadline. They had to know by a certain date because they had other people lined up and blah, 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 blah. And we, we, we got to know. And, and it was just a few days before I had to say something. And, and, uh, and I was in Canada. And I'm, and I'm preaching for Bishop King in Canada. And it's Sunday. And I would got done preaching that morning. And powerful move of God. And I'm trying to get my mind on the mind of God for the service. And the only thing I can think about is, God, what am I going to do with this situation? And, and I'm trying to get ready. And, and uh, I, I just happened to have some preaching that was playing while I was in the room trying to pray. And I know I'm kind of weird like that. Sometimes I just, preaching is a good background. And I'm listening to preaching. And I wasn't really paying attention to even what they were preaching. I just did preaching in the background. While I'm praying, the voice of the preacher said, some of you want God to do miracles. And when I heard that, it kind of caught my attention. And I turned and I went over. I was, I was on YouTube. I turned over and looked. And I am telling you right now, I backed it up, screen recorded it. I still have it on my phone. Preacher looked at the screen. He said, I'm talking to somebody that's watching this right now. He said, you're looking for God to do miracles, but you're afraid of impossibility. You want God to do miracles, but the only way you can have a miracle is if you have an impossibility. And you want God to step into your impossibility when you won't even step into it. He said, God doesn't work that way. God will get involved when you're ready to get involved in the impossible. I pulled up the chair. And I sat down and tears began to roll down. Now, this isn't how God speaks to me normally, folks. But this is just how God was working it out in this moment. And I pulled up a chair. And he said, God is into taking big steps. He said, God is into people that aren't afraid to take big steps. He said, because God is in big things. He said, and God is looking for somebody that will make big steps and trust God. That isn't afraid of what's on the other side. That when you put your foot down, God's going to make a way. And I'm, I'm saying, okay, God. All right, God. And he started preaching. If you want a miracle, then you better run to it. I mean, he starts preaching. And I'm like, ah. Okay, God. It's impossible. It doesn't make sense on paper. So I come back to Fort Myers, and now I've had time to cool down a little bit. And now I've got like one day to make a decision. And I'm stuck in the valley. And I'm driving back and forth down Palm Beach. Looking. Looking. I'm driving back and forth. 
And I'd go back to the little building on Fowler. And I'd look around. Jump back in my car. And I'd come and look. And I'd get down and I'd start walking around the campus. We can't do it, God. How are we going to do it? There's no way. Fear of failure. Can I just be honest with you? What am I going to tell these people, God, if it doesn't work? They're not going to trust me. If I get them into a situation and don't, how embarrassing is that going to be, God? They've already been through so much. I'm wrestling back and forth. God, there's no way. And on one of my drives across, God said, okay, you have a choice. If you go down one road and you walk through the door and it doesn't work, what's going to happen? You, have, you can't grow where you're at now. You'll find another place. And for years to come, you know what you'll say? We tried that one and it didn't work. Can you live with that? I said, yeah, God, I can live with that. God said, here's the other road. If you don't walk through that door, what you will live with is driving by just like you are today. And every time you look over at this building, you'll have to live with what could have happened if I would have walked through the door. Can you live with that? And big old tears begin to roll down my face. I said, God, I can't live with that. I can live with trying and it not working. But I could never live with the regret of not having enough faith to step out. And right at that moment, it was settled in my spirit. Brother Leal, I made a phone call and said, bring those papers. And I signed those papers. And I emptied every bit of money that we had just to get through the doors. <laughs> That's a lot of money. At $15,000 a month lease and growing first and last months and security deposit and attorney's fees and insurance and Thousands of dollars to start utilities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh, that's the reality. People who don't operate big businesses don't understand. We emptied out everything. We had no cushion. It took everything we had to get in. And guess what? 30 days from now, <laughs> I said, all right, God. We're going to walk through the door. And I marched up to that door, and I said, okay, God, I don't know what's on the other side of the door. It might be feel failure. It might be disaster. It's the unknown. But, God, you put the door before me, and I'm going to trust you. And I walked through the open door. And when we walked through the open door, it was miracle after miracle after miracle. And when the time came... The money was there to write the check. And when the next month came, there wasn't anything left. But every time we put our foot down, there was something underneath to step on.
To this date, I've never been late on any of the bills. To this date, uh, we paid every single thing. Uh, we're not behind on anything. Uh, five years later, uh, the church doubled. Uh, then it tripled. Uh, then it got even bigger than that. Uh, then we started a church uh, in Haiti. Uh, then another church. Then another church. Uh, then another church. Uh, and it kept growing uh, and growing. Uh, miracle uh, after miracle. Uh, why? Because we walked uh, through uh, the open door. And I preached everything, music come. I preached everything I preached tonight to, to tell this church uh, that in the Holy Ghost, uh, I can sense it coming. Uh, in the Holy Ghost, uh, I can feel it coming. Uh, there's another door coming. Uh, I felt it earlier this year uh, when I began to preach that this would be the year uh, of the crossover. Uh, what's the crossover? Uh, it's God walking them through a door uh, into a new dimension. Uh, I said, I feel it coming. Uh, and the sense of urgency uh, has been increasing uh, and increasing. Uh, and last week uh, when I was in that altar, uh, God told me to get ready. Uh, you tell the people to get ready uh, because I'm about to set uh, an open door uh, before the church. Uh, and that means uh, that I'm setting an open door uh, before the people. Uh, and I came to preach to you. Uh, get ready uh, for the open door. Uh, I came to preach to some dreamers in the building. Uh, get ready uh, because the door uh, is about to open. Uh, I just need some people in the building uh, that have been looking through the window. Uh, I just need some people in the building uh, that have been in the Holy Ghost. Uh, and you've been window shopping. Uh, You've been looking at your life uh, saying, God, uh, I've got some dreams. Uh, I've got some visions. Uh, Lord, uh, I don't know how the business is going to come to pass, uh, but God, I can see it. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to get there. Uh, God told me to tell you, uh, get ready uh, because the door's about to come. Uh, I came to preach to somebody uh, to get ready. Uh, he's about to set before you uh, an open uh, door. Uh, but when God sets the door before you, uh, you gotta be ready to walk through it. Uh, you gotta be ready to walk through the door. Uh, you gotta come on somebody right now. Uh, somebody right now needs to engage uh, in the Holy Ghost. Uh, my God, there's something divine uh, that's happening. Uh, there you go, she already got it. Uh, she already caught the revelation. Uh, turn the door sideways. Uh, turn the door sideways. Uh, if you're here tonight uh, and you're ready to walk through the door, uh, I want you to line up on my right, uh, on your left, uh, and I want you to get ready tonight. Uh, I want you to line up over here uh, because tonight, uh, uh, line up on this side, uh, line up on this side. Uh, tonight, uh, we're going to walk uh, through the open door. Uh, somebody here, your man of God. Uh, it happens uh, in the spirit. Uh, before it happens in the natural. Uh, it happens uh, in the Holy Ghost uh, before it happens uh, in the natural. Uh, I wonder if there's anybody beside me uh, that can sense it, uh, that can feel it. Uh, we're by an open door. Uh, there's an effectual, hold on, uh, hold on. Uh, there's a great, uh, hold on. Uh, there's a great uh, and effectual door. came to preach to somebody tonight that the door that's coming before you is not a little door it's a mega door it's a big door 
it's a great door. I wish I had some people full of faith. I said it's a great door. It's the one you've been looking at in the window saying one of these days that would be awesome. One of these days I believe God could do it. One of these days I came to preach to somebody that God is moving you from the window to the door. God's about to move you from vision into actuation. God's about to move you from seeing it into occupying it. And I want you to hear me tonight. One of the clear indicators that you are approaching the door is the level of resistance. Because Paul said, put it back up there. 1 Corinthians 16 and 9, Paul said that with the door came great adversity. And so I'm preaching to some people in this building right now that have been up against one thing after the other. One thing after the other. And it feels like every step you take forward, you find resistance. And every time you try to make a move forward, something's trying to stop you. I came to preach to you that it is a road sign. It is an indicator to you that you are approaching the mega door. Then the closer you get, the greater the opposition. Because they can't close the door, the enemy can only try to stop you. He can only try to discourage you. He can only try to get you to give up on the great door. Somebody right now lift your hands. I want you to begin to engage the spirit. Can you see it tonight? Can you see it tonight? Can you see it? I want you to get your mind off of your current circumstance. Get your mind off of your current reality. And I want you to begin to see it in the Holy Ghost. See it the way God's going to do it. See it the way God set it. See it the way God planned it. And as God opens doors for you, God's about to open a big door for this church. I don't know where. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I can feel it in the Holy Ghost. It's coming. It's almost here. Somebody needs to start praying in the Holy Ghost. Right now, right now, while you're praying in the Holy Ghost, as you cross the threshold of the open door, I want you to let your faith soar. When your feet get on the other side of the door, I want you to praise God like it's already done. When your feet get to the other side, I want you to praise Him for what you see. Are you ready? Are you ready? Go. We're walking through the open door. We're walking. Come on. New businesses. New blessing. New ventures. New promises. New healing. New power. New dominion. New favor. It's on the other side of the door. Come on. That's it. Somebody right now. Somebody right now. I'm preparing myself. I'm preparing myself. 
I'm preparing myself. When the door opens, I'm walking through. When the door opens, I'm walking through. Come on, somebody. Praise him like it's already done. Praise him like it's already done. Go. 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 We're walking through the open door. We're walking through the open door. We're walking through the open door. Come on. Come on. Come on. I refuse to get discouraged and quit. I refuse to give up and turn around. I refuse to get left behind. I'm walking through the open door. Go. Somebody shout. Somebody shout. Like it's already done. Somebody shout. Like it's already done. Come on, go! 